Time is a weird thing. It's weird because we're all gifted with it. I mean, we've got time, obviously we're here, we're alive, we've still got breath in our lungs. And yet at the same time, we can't buy more of it. I mean, even if we wanted to, if, if I was Jeff Bezos or uh, Elon Musk, you know, one of these billionaire types, I can't go out and buy more life, buy more time. And there's another thing with time that's interesting, and that is that we can't travel back and forth in time, although many a movie has been made imagining what it would be like if you could travel through time. And so I wanted to ask you a question, I really do want some answers here, of what are some movies that you know of that deal with time and time travel? Come on, give me some good suggestions here. Yes, okay, Back to the Future and Bill and Ted, what? Milo Murphy's Law, yes, that actually is true. What was that? Terminator, the Terminator, yes, okay, what else? Huh? Doctor Who, of course, yes. What else? Phineas and Ferb have a thing with uh, time travel. Come on, there's more than this. Come on. 2001? Inception, yes. What was that? The time traveler's wife, yes. That's true. Ice Age. Do they travel through time in Ice Age? Oh, okay. 13 going on 30? Star Trek. Look, there's tons, right? I was trying to think of some less boyish type movies. Kate and Leopold, is that one, right? I think that's a nice one, isn't it, Liz? Yeah, that's a nice one. What else is there? There's a ton, right? I mean, there's so many different movies. I've got to give a major shade, a shout out to my favorite, if you don't mind throwing up that. There we go, Back to the Future. I grew up with these. I can sing you all the songs. I can tell you probably most of, if not all of the lines in the movies. Um, and Liz, for my birthday a number of years ago, got me the high-definition Blu-ray box set of them because I do like them. But the truth is we can't physically move or travel through time, but we can move backwards by thinking. And what I mean by that is we can use our minds to think and to reflect back into memories. And we have a word that describes this. It is reflection. Sometimes a name or a picture or even a smell can transport our minds through time back to a particular time or a moment. Um, and, and as we do that, often we're like, whoa, wow, crazy how much things have changed. I want to give you an example of this, if you don't mind throwing up that next slide. Do you know who these two people are? Okay, no, no, no winners for guessing that that is Liz. Liz, do you mind waving your hand? Not going to make you stand up. That's Liz. Yes. Who is it? Trafford. No, it's actually older than that. This is from 2007. Liz and I weren't even married at this moment. That is Kyle Ross. Kyle, do you mind waving for everybody in case they don't know him? Look at him now. We're not going to awkwardly try and recreate this photo. Um, you know, that's a thing, right? You like you get an old photo and then you recreate it. Um, but it's crazy, right? Like as you move back through time, you're reminded of how much moves and how much changes. We can also move forward in time with our thinking, and this is called, sometimes we call it dreaming about the future, or the word that I was thinking of in particular 
is imagination. It takes us imagination to transport us through time. And we've all been gifted with, no matter how old we are, with imagination. Our imaginations can enable us to transport through time into the future, to project what could and may be. And so tonight, I want to invite all of you to travel through time with me using both reflection and imagination. We're going to go backwards and forwards, but let's start by going backwards. So I wanted you to take a breath, and I want you to close your eyes, and I'm asking everybody to do this. None of you are too cool to do this, okay? So take a breath, close your eyes. It will be okay, I promise. I'm not going to make this weird. As you close your eyes, I want you to think, where were you? What were you doing? What was life like three years ago? Now, to help you think, that was 2018, okay? 2018. Maybe think about what age you were or what, if you're a student, what grade or class you're in 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 school or in uni. If you're a little older, maybe think about what birthday or significant milestone there was. 2018. As you think... Try and hone into the middle of the year and just past the summer into September of 2018. Do you guys remember where you were? Okay. Well, thank you for doing that little activity. I'm going to ask you to open your eyes again. And I know that some of you are probably like, I have no idea. Others of you are probably very specific and go, okay, yeah, I know what, I know what was going on. If you'd allow me, I'd like to share with you where I was three years ago, and I'd like to be kind of specific about that because I can remember what was going on. I was firstly on a plane from Austin, Texas to Scotland, and as we arrived in Aberdeen, we ended up being taken up to this place called Nethybridge to a church weekend away for this church family. And you'll see a picture here from that time. If you look closely into the pixels, you may even see yourself. Amazing. Um, but this was, a, this was a time that we came up and, and joined this church family. If you're wondering, that's Jacob Clark on the edge there, um, looking at everybody. There's a few notable... Sasha looks so different. He's in that white shirt um, right in the middle there. It's just so crazy to see and to think. Anyway... The point is, we were here and we joined you as a church family for this time away. And there were a few things. I'll just make a few comments on the time. It was, firstly, the thing I'd say is that it was a little bit of a strange time. And the reason I say it was a strange time was because I was there and the pastor of the church never showed up. (laughs) Martin never came. And uh, I was actually genuinely bummed about that. But Martin got very sick. He was sick the whole time I was here. I never saw him. Um, which was probably a good thing because I didn't want to catch what he had. Um, it was a sad moment for the church. And, and the reason for that was uh, Chris Milne had passed rather suddenly just only a short time before the weekend away. I remember that was, that was significant. I remember um, it was a beautiful moment 
there were these wonderful times of connecting in friendship with one another, beautiful times of worship. Uh, when we're in that room, I mean, you can see it there, the, the steep room and the, the worship and the atmosphere that we had there. There was these lovely times of prayer. I remember praying specifically with some of you. I didn't know you very well at that time, but it was a lovely time of, of prayer that happened. On that weekend, I met some incredible people. A couple that I just note to you, one was Caroline Goodfellow, what an incredible person. Another was Marjorie and Dominic Smart. I, in fact, one of my sweetest memories from that whole weekend was on the Saturday afternoon walk. I just happened to end up walking next to Dominic and I had a significant conversation. I'll, I won't forget that conversation that I had with Dominic that day. And so that was three years ago. Now, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes again. And again, please just trust me with this. This is to help us think. I want you to think about what life, maybe you're picking up now on where you were, 2018. I want you to think about now what has happened between that moment and today. And so just progress in your memories. Take a few moments to mentally work your way forward. Think about Christmas 2018. Think about 2019, what happened that year? Consider 2020. And finally, work your way up through the first two-thirds of this year, 2021. As you open your eyes again, I can imagine that most of us could say that quite a lot has happened in the span of just those three short years. Perhaps like me, you have some more gray hairs or some wrinkles that are forming a little bit more. Others of you, especially I think of our young people, like they've grown. Like, I mean, you look at them and you're like, wow, how much change has happened just physically? Maybe some of you live somewhere new. Others of you maybe work somewhere new. All of us could definitely say something about that horrible thing that starts with C and rhymes with COVID, right? That was a joke, yes. Um, and so here we are, September 2021, three years further down the trail of life and perhaps a little wiser, perhaps some of us a little more jaded, perhaps more optimistic. I mean, we're not all in a negative space perhaps others of us more uncertain. And I just throw those few things out because wherever you are in this moment, I want you to know a couple of very important things. We all come to this moment from all these different places, especially when you zoom out and consider the last three years. And so there's two things that I want you to hear before we go any further. The first thing is this, you are welcome here. It's okay, whatever space you're coming from, to be here. You're welcome and wanted. It's okay if you come in here and you are struggling. Maybe you're not, as you think back over the last three years, you're like, wow, my passion, my, even my, my church community, I've, I've really waned in, in my connection with others. My prayer life isn't what it used to be. My prayer is that God would use this weekend for all of us, no matter what space we're in, 
And we need to start by knowing that it's good for us to be here, to be here with God and with each other. The second thing that is very important for you to reflect on and to know is that God has held you and will hold you perfectly in His hand. As we are here talking about the past, the present, and yes, we will talk about the future in just a moment, we have to really know that this is true, that God has held us. This sounds like something pretty that I've kind of put together. God has held you in His hand. And yes, that sounds nice, but this isn't just some nice notion. Actually, this is God's truth, His Word to us. I want to take you to Psalm 139 that says this, Psalm 139 verse 15. It says, you watched me, this is speaking of God, God, you watched me. As I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Hear this, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. We cannot escape from this truth, and that is that God intimately knows our past our present, and our future. In fact, we see this same thought earlier on in the same psalm. If you were to jump back 10 verses to verse 5 and 6, it says this, You, again, God, go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. That's true. The fact that God encompasses us and encompasses all time is something that we can't really get our heads around. Now, just think about that first sentence that I read there. It says, you go before me and follow me. I love that image. What it is speaking to is the fact that God is in front of us. He is before us. Before we even get to some time and space, He's already there. But He's also behind us, coming behind us, folding all things into His perfect plan. As we move through time, as we do, we go from the past to the present and then on into the future, it feels very uncertain, unknown to us. And that can be scary, but it's not unknown to God. In fact, I was trying to picture this in my mind. I'm a very visual person. And so I drew up this graph to kind of help us think about this a little bit. What it's saying is that as we travel through time, God already exists in all that time and space. He's already seen our future. He knows all of our past because He is there. He is present. And so as we think about looking forwards and and the future as, as God is already there, I want to ask us a question. I want to change gears from looking backwards and looking to the present to really looking forwards and say, well, what is in front of us? And not just as individuals, but as a church. And this is where I'd like to suggest that we need to change modes. We need to go from reflection mode to imagination mode. We need to dream about the future together. And it's good for us to use our imaginations. Unfortunately, We tend to think, especially as we get older and older, that using our imaginations is a little bit silly, but using our imaginations is a really important thing. In fact, the best two people I know at using their imagination right now are my twin girls. They're awesome at it. In fact, I brought along something to illustrate a point here. In here, I have one of the most loved items of imagination at the moment that they use. What I have here is 
this guy, and this guy. This is Sergi, and this is Yakov. Am I saying? I said it wrong. I always say it wrong, apparently. What the point is this? The girls love these two things. These are the favorites right now. And they can go up to their room for hours and hours and hours, genuinely, hours, and play. And they're doing all sorts of crazy things. They're playing games, they're spitting at each other, all sorts of fun stuff is going on in our household with these fun things. And so I want to encourage us to use our imaginations in these next moments. Let's, not, let's cast aside this idea that it's a silly thing to do, because especially as we think about this church, we can and we should be thinking about, God, what could the future hold? What could be in the future as we move forward being led by you? And so let's dream specifically for Hillview and Contour as to what God is calling us to. And so as we do that, as we look to the future and travel that way in time, I'm going to ask our five values to assist us in this. Because if you go to our church website and click on the About Us tab, what you will find there is there's several things listed, but one of them says values, and it has a subheading that says, who do we want to be? I mean, this is speaking to the future. Want. Who do we want to be? Who do we hope and dream to be? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through five of our values. And as we do that, just imagine. I'm going to, make, at the end of each one, make a statement that says, imagine, and then speak to that thing. Imagine if we grew in that thing and, and we're all that God calls us to be in that thing. And so the first value that I call to, to look at is the value of being grace-centered. We desire and dream to be a church full of people who are amazed by the grace of God and giving of that same grace to each other and to the world around us. We believe as Christians that there is a God who rescued and saved us. And that is good news that we should share with one another, yes, and on to the rest of the world. If you've ever watched a movie that you've really, really, really liked, all of us have probably had, or at least most of us have had that experience. What do you typically do with that movie? There are two things that I imagine that you do when you find a movie that you really like. One is you think about it, like it just kind of percolates in your mind, like you're dwelling on it. Maybe that's another way of saying it. You're thinking about, oh, remember when that really cool thing happened or that storyline just twisted in that moment, like you're dwelling on it, thinking on it. But the other thing that you'll do is you will begin to tell everybody about that movie. You're like, oh, I just saw this incredible movie. You need to check it out. And much in the same way, that's how we should operate with God's grace. We should be thinking about it and wanting to share it. 1 John 4 has this beautiful scripture I want to read with you. It says this, This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Isn't that a powerful statement? That's the gospel in a sentence. This is what we believe. By the way, I just want to pause here for a second and say, let's all believe that to be true. If you're maybe on the fringes of faith or not sure what you believe about God, this is what Christians believe, that God loved us and sent His Son to die for us 
so that he could take away our sins. Beautiful, beautiful. I'd love to talk with you if you're wrestling to believe that that's true. I just don't want to assume we're all on the same page here. But it goes on and says, Dear friends, since God has loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. As we receive of this love, we give it to one another. And so Martin's going to talk more tomorrow in his session about being grace-centered and what this means. But I want you to just imagine what these churches, Kintour and Hillview, would feel like if there were places continually overflowing with the love and grace of God. And that does happen. I'm not saying that it doesn't, but imagine if that was just the normative, if that's what we were known for, being this place of this, that where God's grace abounds. A second value for us is worship. We want to be a church made up of worshipers. That means people who love God more than anything else. Here's number one. People who lift up God in all they say and do, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, their hearts and their minds are lifted to God, not just when they're here singing, which, by the way, it's lovely to worship together, but we were made to the, for this. We were made to be worshipers. The problem is that sin has come in and distorted our worship. We're all worshipers, but our worship gets distorted. We can often say that we love God, but in our hearts, we love things other than Him more than Him. We look to other things to satisfy and fulfill us. It may be our possessions. It may be our career. It may be a significant other. And anytime we do that, anytime something takes God's place in our hearts, that process has a name and that thing has a name. And it's a name that we don't like to use, but it's an idol. John Calvin was a man who lived 500 years ago and he was this guy who God used to help the church go through a massive change called the Reformation. But 500 years ago, he said this, and I think it's quite profound. He said, man's nature, this is older English, right? Man's nature, so to speak, is a perpetual factory of idols. The reason that we struggle with worship and really being worshipers is because we're constantly looking to other things. We're constantly getting distracted and dragged away to find satisfaction and fulfillment and security in things that we shouldn't. So imagine with me what this church family would look like if we were all to truly worship God and to grow as worshipers of Him. Another church value that we have is disciples or being disciples. We want to be a group of disciples, and that means Jesus followers. A, a disciple is a follower, a student, a, a learner, a person committed to growth. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what God wants us to be. He wants us to follow Him. He wants us to know Him. And so may we be a church of people committed to following Jesus and not just following, growing in Him. Imagine what would happen if, like the first disciples, we were all, all in followers of Jesus, no matter what the cost. The next value that we find as we look through our list of five values deals with looking beyond ourselves. 
We want, by God's grace, to be missionaries. Unfortunately, that word has some connotations, some negative connotations to it. Because as soon as I say missions or missionaries, I think we often picture in our minds that we must, if we're to do that, we must uproot our lives, go to some far-off jungle, and speak to the pagan people there about God. And that sounds quite extreme, and I'm being a little bit facetious, but the truth is that that kind of distorts our thinking, distorts our mind, and yet every Christian is called to share of the love that they themselves have received. You and I cannot escape from that truth, even if it does make us feel uncomfortable. If you go to Matthew 28, Jesus says, go, go into all the world and make disciples. That command has trickled on down to us 2,000 years later. Luke 1, again, Jesus says, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. And he lists off all these places and he says, and to the ends of the earth. And so I'm not saying here that we shouldn't love God. Should we love God? Yes. Should we love one another and and focus on how we care for one another? Yes, absolutely. But should we also look outwards to the world that is lost and dying around us? Definitely. Tim Keller says this very succinctly, and I'll apologize to any friends from Kintour here tonight because I read this in in a sermon the other day. But read this with me. It's just so well put. He says, this is a guy who was a minister in in New York for a number of decades. He says, so while we are not all called to be preachers or prophets or missionaries, every believer is called to go. It means to be willing to leave safety and security in order to share the good news of Jesus with others. This may or may not entail leaving physical and social locations, but it always means risk and vulnerability. He goes on and says this, mission is not only for a spiritual elite or for the well-rested or for people with the gift of the gab or for outgoing personalities or for those with theological training. It is for every person who belongs to him. It is because God is by nature ascending God. He never calls us in to bless us without also sending us out to be a blessing to others. To all that I say a big amen. We are all, as Christians, ambassadors. The question is, are we good ambassadors or not? Eric Little, who was the famous Scottish Olympic runner from the 1900s, made famous by the, in our age by the Chariots of Fire movie, He also was a missionary to China and died as a missionary in China. But he said this, We are all missionaries, speaking of all Christians. Wherever we go, we either bring people nearer to Christ or we repel them from Christ. On Sunday, we're going to have a chance to dip our toes into some missional living and thinking as we get to pray for the contexts where God's placed us, here in cults and over in Kintour. And I pray that that moment would be really helpful for us and help us to, to dream about the future and even think more about how we engage the world around us. Imagine what the church would look like if we were all convinced that the good news is so good that we cannot keep it to ourselves. 
The final value, but certainly not the least, that we come to is family. And I've intentionally saved this one to last. Because as much as we want to grow this particular weekend away as worshippers and as disciples and as missionaries and people centered on God's grace, those are all great things. This weekend in particular is a time for us to be together as a church family. It's much needed. As Christians, by definition, we are family. A Christian is a child of God, adopted and permanently secured into God's family. 1 John chapter 3, many of you will know this off by heart. Such a beautiful scripture. See how very much the Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. A Christian is not meant to be isolated and alone or to walk, attempt to walk life alone. We need each other. We need our family. We need our community. And that is why this season where we're coming out of COVID has been so difficult. It's been a challenge because it's felt like this pulling apart, this fragmenting. And that's why this weekend is, yes, a positive step. I want to just say this is not the silver bullet that fixes everything this weekend away, but it is a good step. It's a needed step to bring us into relationship and family relationship with one another. So what's my specific encouragements here? Lean into community. Even this weekend, lean in. Meet somebody new. Strike up a conversation with somebody you don't know or somebody you haven't seen in quite some time. And when you do, let me just please ask you, listen well. Ask caring questions. Don't just be thinking about your own life and how you're going to respond. Let's love each other and care for each other well. And as you're having these type of conversations over the next day or two, as somebody brings up something that's difficult in their life or something they've been struggling with, pray for them. I mean, even stop right then and there and pray for them. You don't have to just say, I'll pray for you. You can do it then and there. Let's care for each other in these next few moments. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's be the family that God has called us to be. Imagine a church family where you are known and loved and cared for as you care for those around you as well. If I could pull these five strings, these five values together and ask a question, the question I would ask is this, how do Hillview and Contour Community Churches hope to, to grow into the future? What do we hope to be? And if I could put it into one sentence, using these values, I would say we want to be a grace-centered family of worshipers Growing as disciples, embracing God's mission. Let me say that again. A grace-centered family of worshipers, growing as disciples, embracing God's mission. That's our prayer. May this weekend be a step to becoming that. And for that to happen, we need God's help. We absolutely need God's help. But we also need to take some personal responsibility 
And so are you and I willing and wanting to grow in these five things as we've talked about it? Are we wanting to grow in God's grace? Are we wanting to grow as disciples? Are we wanting to grow in worship and in living on mission and being family to one another? And as I list all of that out, it may sound like a lot, and that's because it is. But all of this needs to start with just a simple posture. And that is having a heart that is holy, and by that I mean completely for God and a willing mind. Just this week, in the section of the Bible I was reading, I came across 1 Chronicles 28. And it's a pretty random passage, because David, King David is speaking to his son, And he's giving him a charge. He's saying, this is what I want for you. This is what I'm challenging you to do. This is what I'm praying for you. And the words are so pointed and good that I want to put them onto us to say, this is what I hope or this is what, you know, God hopes for us. And so let's read together 1 Chronicles 28 verse 9 as a charge, as a challenge. And it says this, worship And serve God with your whole heart and a willing mind. Worship and serve God with your whole heart and a willing mind. We've talked about so much tonight. We've talked about the past. We've talked about the present. We've talked about the future. We've talked about all these church values. But don't be overwhelmed by it all. Come back to a couple of simple questions just from that passage I read you about your whole heart and willing mind. Do you have a heart that is completely surrendered and given to God? Think on that. Do you have a heart that is completely surrendered to God? Secondly, do you have a willing mind? Essentially, these questions, this prayer is asking this question of saying, what's your posture? Are you open to God? And so in this moment, as we resume worship, and I just invite, actually, the worship team, if you guys want to come up, as we take, we're going to take some extended time to worship. I want to invite all of us to not be overwhelmed by this massive list of values and all that's going on this weekend. Let's just simply come to God and ask the question of posture. Are we open to Him? Because as we're open to Him, He will grow us as missionaries. He will grow us as disciples. He will grow us in His grace. All those things will start to fall into line. Are you open to God? Let's evaluate in these next few moments. Let's allow God to speak into the ways He wants to grow us and lead us into the future. And that all starts with us having simply a posture a heart and a mind that is open to Him. Let me pray. God, we've covered a lot of ground. As we've looked backwards, as we've looked at the present, as we've even looked forwards, there's so much that has come before There's probably a lot on our minds even right now. And Lord, as we look to the future, even some of that seems overwhelming. And yet, God, as we come to the end of it all, Lord, of of all that's been said here, we're reminded 
of the importance of just coming to you with the right posture. Coming to you with an open heart and a willing mind. And God, the truth be told, that's quite hard to have a posture that honors you. So God, would you just work on hearts now right across this room to help us to be in a place of surrender. God, for anybody who's really struggling right now to surrender to you because they're feeling angry, bring freedom. For anybody that's struggling with feeling hurt, bring healing. Open them up to you, God. Give them an open heart and a willing mind. Anybody who's feeling anxious, God, would you still their anxious heart and give them an open heart and a willing mind? And Lord, as we've listed out these things, there's so many different places and emotions and feelings right across this room. Speak to each and every one. We thank you that you're able to do that. Work in this space, God. We're sorry that we sometimes harden our hearts to you. We're sorry that we sometimes shut you out. We're sorry that we sometimes drown out your voice with busyness and distractions. Forgive us, God, for our shortcomings. Search us and know us, God. Be glorified even in these next few moments as we just respond with singing, with praying, with listening. Be honored in this this time, God. Thank you. Amen.